praise the Lord. It's great to be together. I am, uh, my name's Stephen. I'm so blessed to be the pastor. That's David, who was just talking to us before. Can you please turn in your Bible with me to the book of Acts? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're going to look at chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Well, I have been uh, replacing sewage lines in my house. I know. It's not fun. It's not fun. It is not a blessing. Sewage lines are not awesome. But the Lord is with us, and he is good. And um, that will come up again later, the sewage lines. It's gonna be a, there's, gonna, there's a lot of sermon illustrations being built right now. A lot. Many of them. I'm just, I'm just letting you know ahead of time. But the Lord is with us, and he is good. And we are celebrating a great day today where the Lord has brought us out of the mire. He has brought us out of the sewage of our lives. What we thought, ready, we thought was good. We thought we were so smart and doing great, but the Lord rescued us by sending his son into that junk. And then he paid the penalty by his life for us. What a great gospel we have. That the Lord Jesus Christ, God forever, the second person of the Trinity, became a man on our behalf, came down to us, lived here on earth a perfect life, and died for us, taking our punishment for the sin that he was fixing. That's amazing. And then he didn't stay dead, but he rose to life again. You know, if Jesus had not risen to life again, we would have no hope. Because it's in his resurrection, it's in his life, that we can now say, we have a savior, a champion who is seated on the throne, who has saved us. Because if he didn't rise again, then he died like everybody dies. But instead, he conquered sin in his death, and he conquered death in his life. And now we get to live in his life. How amazing. And what a blessing. And we receive that not by great things that we do, but we receive that by believing in Jesus, by trusting in him more than we trust in our own lives and more than we trust in our own goodness. We trust in his goodness because he's worthy. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus. As we continue uh, looking at at the kingdom and the covenant. We've been in a series here for a long time. We're, we're starting to shift that now. We're going to begin looking at how does the church build? How do we grow and what do we do? And as we look at those things, we're going to be starting in Acts chapter 5 because we have the blessing of installing deacons today. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. If you're super confused, though, and you're like, deacon, what is that? I've never heard of that. you got to come next week because next week we'll actually talk about fully what is a deacon, what do they do, why are they in the church, and what's, what's the goodness that God has given us in our deacons. But today, as we set the context for that, we're going to begin looking at what is the Lord doing in the church and what's happening. And after Jesus raises from the dead, he's alive, he's risen, he, he appears to a bunch of people, and then he stands before his disciples and a group, about 120, all together, and he tells them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. This is called the Great Commission. Then he ascends into heaven, and he doesn't just flitter away to somewhere with harps. He goes into heaven and sits down at the right hand of God on the throne where he is ruling over all things. That's what Jesus is doing now. The Bible tells us he's also interceding for us. And so he's active, he's ruling, he's in charge. And he has given a commission to the church to do what he has called us to do. He had told the apostles and, the, and his followers to wait 
and stay in Jerusalem until something happened. And what would happen would be that the Lord would send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity would come. And he would invade his people and he would come into them and they would become like the new temple. And they would demonstrate the Lord's rule on earth as he's in heaven. So think about the Lord's prayer. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does God accomplish that? He accomplishes that through the Holy Spirit in his people doing his will and making it a reality on earth. And that's awesome. And that's us. How cool is that? So the disciples are waiting. And in Acts chapter 2 on a festival called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And he comes upon them with a mighty rushing wind. And there's flames that come over their heads. And they're speaking in other tongues and languages. And God is using them. And miracles are happening. And everybody can understand what they're saying. And they're praising God. And ultimately, they have one message, which is Jesus Christ was crucified, raised again, paid the penalty for sin. And if you want to be at peace with God, the only way is to believe in Jesus. And the people believe, and they're baptized, and thousands of people in one day suddenly are converted to Christianity, but really they're just following Jesus. And so the people begin living out what it means to represent his kingdom. They're sharing things with each other, they're helping each other, they're blessing each other. Have you ever been in a workplace and uh, you need to borrow a pen, and somebody hands you a pen and you just get the idea that now you owe them? You know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, a simple act of kindness, but now you owe them. That's not the kingdom. In this place, though, with the new church filled with the Holy Spirit, they're sharing things together. They're blessing each other. They're demonstrating what it looks like for God's rule to be on the earth. And as that's happening, opposition starts to form. And we're going to read in Acts chapter 5 what happens with some of the apostles, some of the leaders of the church. And this is setting the stage for eventually deacons that will come. And so let's look in Acts chapter 5 together. We're going to read starting at verse 12. I'm going to read a little chunk, so bear with me with with the scripture as we go, because it's important for us. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico, which is a part of the temple. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Praise God. You know, that's, it starts off with this. Signs and wonders were regularly done. This is, this is the picture of what God's kingdom looks like. This is good. This is what normal looks like. Verse 17 continues. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and the senate of Israel, and they sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. 
So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men who you put in prison, they're standing in the temple right there and teaching the people. I added the right there part. <laughs> then the captain with his officers went and brought them, but not by force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so, it is, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill him. But a Pharisee from the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to the men outside of Israel. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For, for, for before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan is the, end, is the undertaking of man, it will fail. But if it is God, you will not be over, able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. And they charged them not to speak in the name, in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Praise the Lord. That's good, isn't it? What, did you know that's your heritage? That's your family heritage and legacy, is this. These are our forefathers. These are the people that we look to. You know, you might be of, I'm a, I'm a mix, Italian, Scotch-Irish, German, I got a, everything. So you might just be American. I'm just going to call that American because whatever it is. You might have just American, a mixture of all kinds of things. You might be from African continent, Indian, India. You might be from South America. You might have family from Asia. You might have family from anywhere in the world, Australia, whatever. But we are one family in God because of the blood of his son. And this is our heritage of faith. This is our family legacy. And one wonderful thing that happens here is in verse 32, Peter says this to the high priest. Now, remember who he's talking to. This is the high priest religious leader of all of the Jewish people. And he says to him, we are witnesses to these things. This is the rule of Jesus Christ. And so is the Holy Spirit. So is God himself. 
whom God has given to those who obey him. Wow. You want to talk about a scathing thing. This is the religious guy example in the world of all the religious things. And Peter is putting him in his place. Now, he doesn't call him names or do anything like that. But he's telling him the truth. And the truth is that God has given his Holy Spirit to those who obey him. However, the Holy Spirit and having God's presence with us, there is not a prerequisite like Mike told us this morning of bringing your works before God and because you obey him, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. That's not what happens here. In fact, Peter himself denied Christ before the Holy Spirit came on him. And he was restored not because of great things he's done, but because the mercy and grace and blood of Jesus Christ is enough to cover our sins. It's because of the call of Jesus Christ. It's because of the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the unearned goodness of God, that he has filled us with his very presence and with power to do all that he has called us to do. And those who obey him demonstrate the love of God, demonstrate the rule of God. And so the context in which Peter is talking makes a big difference in the meaning of this one verse. But I want to tell you this today. As you obey God, you can know for certain by your heritage and birthright as a Christian, as one who belongs to Jesus, as one who has been purchased by his blood, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what your history is, regardless of who you used to be, regardless of who your family was, your heritage and birthright now is as those who obey Jesus that the Lord is really with you. And that is good. And what's regularly done when he shows up looks like signs and wonders. And everyone who had an infirmity or an unclean spirit was healed. How amazing is that? That's incredible. He's good, isn't he? In Samuel 23, there's a story about King David. Remember David, David and Goliath? He fights Goliath, the giant, and, and he had been anointed to be the king of Israel. And so David was a scrappy guy, but he was kind of small, honestly. He was not the tallest, he was not the strongest, he was not the biggest. But the Lord in his wisdom had sent him some of the burliest guys you've ever met in your life. He sent him these like special forces kind of warrior guys. They were called the mighty men. And the mighty men had done exploits. They were the best fighters, they were the best generals, they were the best leaders, they were the most fearless people. They had reputations beyond anything. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day about George Washington. George Washington, first president of the United States, right, was unanimously elected to become the president by the Congress because not just of his exploits in the Revolutionary War, but as a young man, he was unmatched in his skill. He would routinely march 10 miles in front of the army and start fighting whoever the enemy was before the army caught up to him. He was a man of exploit. The, the rumors of him went far and wide because he was such a great fighter. And then they realized, wow, he's a leader. And then they realized, oh, he's wise. And then by the time it came, who should be, who should be the leader? Everybody said George Washington. But David has done exploits. He killed Goliath. He's a man of courage, but he's small. He's a little guy. And God throws him in situations where he starts 
going out into dangerous things, and God brings alongside him these mighty men of valor. And in one such occasion in 1 Samuel 23, they're all around the campfire, if you will, together, and they're talking together. And David, who's the leader, is being pursued by King Saul, who wants to kill him because he doesn't want David to take over the kingdom. And so he has great opposition. Things are going really poorly. And David says, man, I wish I could have a drink from the well of my hometown. If I could just drink some of that St. Louis water. It tastes special. It might be bad for you. We don't know. But it tastes special. We have a friend from, I have a friend from Michigan. And whenever he came here, he would just get tap water at every restaurant we went to. He's like, it tastes so good. We have special water. I don't know what it is, but we really do. But it tastes different. Have you ever been to some, you travel somewhere and you drink the water and you're like, this is weird. St. Louis water's got its own thing. So he says, I wish I could just had some St. Louis water. And three of the mighty men hear this. Now, there was no order given. There was no command. There was no battle plan. There was nothing like that. But three of the generals overhear him say this. And they look at each other and they set out by night. And they fight through the enemy front lines. They fight into the town. They hold the well and defend the well to get a single glass of water. They then bring that glass of water back through the town's defenses, through the front line of the Philistine army, and back to David and hand it to him. And David's stunned. And he says, far be it from me to drink. This is your very lives represented here. And he says, Lord, this is for you. And pours it out, not to shame the men, but to honor them and say, Lord, bless them the way they've blessed me. This is too much. How could I possibly drink this? But just by the word of his intention, the generals, the mighty men, those of valor, rise up to do something great because they heard the whisper of the king. And the Holy Spirit here has filled people who are celebrating because they were found worthy to be beaten for Jesus. Does that come from us? Does it? Our power goes out and the air conditioning's out for 20 minutes and we're like, Lord, why do you hate me? <laughs> What's happening? If you want to know if your faith is strong, go camping. You're going to know in about, about, about an hour, you're going to know whether or not you're strong in the Lord or not because everything will go wrong, won't it? But these guys have, well, not Boy Scouts, like you, you know what's going on. But these guys have something else. There's something in them that rises up. That at the very whisper of the intention of the king, their whole lives are turned toward it. Where does that come from? It's the Holy Spirit. It's him. And the leaders of the church who are filled with the Holy Spirit and the people are serving God that way. We're going to find next week that the deacons who are instituted to serve and to help and to lead the church, are likewise filled with the Holy Spirit and start doing great things. And miracles happen, and then one of them gets killed right away. And that's awful. And also, the church rallies to what God is doing. And when persecution comes, because it comes very quickly then thereafter, the people get scattered, everyone but the apostles. And the apostles who are, Peter's shadow is healing people. Stay in Jerusalem to be in the word and teaching and writing letters and doing things. And the people, the common ones, who are not common because they're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
They're actually mighty people of valor in the Holy Spirit. Having heard the whisper and intention of God, flee the city because of the persecution that's coming, because the, the officials, the Romans and the Jewish officials, are going house to house and dragging off families to prison. And so to escape and make sure their children are safe, they go to places like Corinth and Thessalonica. They go to all these other places. And all of a sudden, when the apostles show up there, they come and find churches that are flourishing because Jesus said, go into all the earth and make disciples. And they believed him. And the people, the commoners, filled with the Holy Spirit, who are not common because they have a heritage of power in God, filled with the Holy Spirit, do great exploits. And today, we have two men that we are setting in as deacons, which is awesome, because they've heard the whisper of the king. And that is a great heritage. But it's your heritage. It's our brothers who we see that God is doing things. And we can celebrate today with the barbecue and say yes and amen. But this is why we can also pray for those going off to the freshman year of college, because God is using you. And he's filled you, and you are a mighty person of valor in the Holy Spirit. Because God is so gracious that it's not by how great you've done things, but that everyone who obeys him, that God has changed into an obedient servant by his grace and his blood and his resurrection. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great heritage? Doesn't it fire you up? Don't you just want to hear every whisper of his intention? I do. And I'm also telling you, he doesn't whisper many. He actually just tells us. And so if you're wondering today, what should I do? Then here's three things you should do. The first thing is, you need to know for certain that Jesus Christ is your life. And that he is seated on the throne, ruling and reigning. You have to settle in your mind that even if I get beat for him, I will rejoice because I'm worthy to follow in his way. How does that happen? It happens because you have, you have sought him through the Holy Spirit and come to him and settled your mind in him that he is who he says he is. You have to know that for certain. Once you know that for certain, you need to be a mighty person of valor. And what that means is when you wake up in the morning and you feel like, man, I don't want to do this today. Because don't we have those, you know? I woke up yesterday morning, I was like, meh, sewage. I don't want to do this today. I just don't want to mess with it. And the reality is when we wake up in the morning and we see some of the sewage out there, we say, Lord, for you, I'm going to be who you've called me to be. Not just a common person, not just somebody on the sidelines, not just somebody who has no power, not somebody who doesn't know anything, but instead, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the king, and I know you've called me and filled me with your spirit. I am a mighty person of valor because of you, and for you, I will do it all. Know he's on the throne. Be a mighty person of valor in the Holy Spirit. And then what do you do? Do all that he commands you. What does he say to do? Jesus summarized the law this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right now, if you can think of a place where you can love your neighbor as yourself, it's probably the Holy Spirit. So without any prompting, if you can think of something in your head right now 
I probably should do that. It's probably him. So what do we do? We actually do it. The angel said to the apostles, go in the middle of the night, leave this prison, and go to the temple and start teaching. Isn't it funny how God just confounds the high priest? Where are these guys? And then somebody's like, them? I mean, they're right. He's at the, he's at the temple. Those, are those the guys we arrested? They're teaching. And then the guard's like, I'll, I'll get them. And he walks over and he's like, don't touch them. Because they, how did you get, what? Okay, uh, can, do you mind coming? Because here they're afraid that the crowd's going to stone them. How amazing. Uh, a high priest would like you to please come, sir, now. And Peter, they say, okay. And they come over. High priest, what are you doing? Well, we have to obey God. Those who obey God have the Holy Spirit. What do they get for it? Beaten, and they're rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. And what happens? God explodes the church. And it looks like the kingdom on earth. Does your house look like the kingdom on earth? Does your car look like the kingdom on earth? Does your cubicle at work or your office look like the kingdom on earth? If it doesn't, start with those things. How can we love our neighbors as ourselves? Maybe the first thing you can do is lend somebody a pen without taking an account. And just love people the way God tells us to. And that seems so small. But have you ever met somebody in the workplace who just lends you a pen without taking an account? It changes the whole workplace, doesn't it? It changes everything because somebody has a good attitude. It changes everything. And then we make disciples. At the end of the day, we follow what Jesus said. And what did he say? Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. This is what we do because he's worthy. Amen? Amen. We're going to uh, install our deacons. I'm very excited. It's a great day, isn't it? So we're going to have a little ceremony now in which we'll come. Can I ask David and Jerry to please come up with me? Praise the Lord. Today's a joyful day. We're going to install Jeff Crooks and Jim Moss to the office of deacon. Our goal as an eldership together, Jerry and David and myself, is to recognize what the Lord is doing in our midst. And what we see the Lord's hands doing, we say yes and amen to that. That's what we do. And we have seen God's hand on these men and on their families. Deacons are important leaders. They were instituted in Acts chapter 6 as God's solution to difficulties that had arisen in the early church and that were challenging the core practices of the church and her testimony for Jesus. Deacons model the Bible's teaching and they lead the body to effectively witness to Christ's rule through service and example. Deacons are officers whose leadership should be followed and whose walk with Jesus should be emulated. Deacons lead in three important ways. First, they preserve the unity of the body through service that adheres to God's justice according to Scripture. Second, they testify to Christ through their godly example and leadership that puts to practice God's law through the Bible's teaching. Third, they promote the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ through the good works of the congregation and the faithful stewardship of her resources that are entrusted to them. 
The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says this, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Jim Moss and Jeff Crooks meet these qualifications. They've been tested by the eldership. You may not have even known that, but they, they were like, we were being tested? It's like, yes. <laughs> if anyone knows any biblical reason that they should not serve as deacons, please tell us now. Everybody always does that. It's, it's kind of like a wedding, but not really. But we love Jesus, and we know these men. But we're also going to, we need to make sure. I knew nobody would say anything. Can you, uh, gentlemen, please come up with your wives, Jeff Crooks, Jim Moss? If you can come up here and stand next to me, please. Let's give them a round of applause. We love, we love you. We're going to pray. Will you pray with me, please? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're with us. Thank you for leading our congregation forward in your blessing and your providence. Lord, we thank you for Jim Moss. We thank you for Jeff Crooks. We thank you for Sandy and Chrysanthi. Lord, we thank you for these families, Lord, that your hand is clearly on and for the good things that you've done. Lord, thank you that you have risen them up in our midst, Lord, for leadership and for service, but more than anything, God, to glorify yourself. May they always work in your total grace. Lord, fill everything they do with your gospel. And Lord, let everything they do and put their hand to and say, Lord, let it be a glory to you. Father, we pray protection and blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Having heard the duties and qualifications of the deacon, I'm going to ask you two gentlemen that you would please respond to the following questions with a yes. So you can say it so everybody can hear, but and you don't have to be in unison, but you can try. It's all right. <laughs> so first question, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be the inerrant word of God the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Yes. See? Deacons. <laughs> Second, do you accept the office of deacon in New Covenant Church and promise to faithfully perform all the duties thereof and to endeavor to profess the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before everyone as an officer of the church? Yes. Will you preserve the unity of the body through service and ensure God's justice according to Scripture as best as you are able and helped by the Holy Spirit? Yes. Will you testify to Christ through godly example and lead in such a way that puts to practice God's law through the biblical teaching? Yes. And will you promote the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ through the good works of the congregation and faithful stewardship of her resources that are entrusted to you? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Congregation. Having heard the vows of these men, 
Do you, members of the church, receive these brothers as deacons? Do you promise to honor, encourage, and obey them as officers of, of the church according to the word of God? If you do, will you please respond, yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for these men now. Uh, the Bible tells us that we should lay hands, the elders should lay hands on these men to install them as deacons. Now, there's nothing magical about laying on of hands. But what happens is that the Lord has instituted this because he uses it. And God really does do something. And so we're going to come up. We're going to pray for them now. And if I can ask you as well, will you stand and just extend your hand too? And we're going to pray for these families to install them now. What's that? Yeah, go for it. Oh, can I, Mike, would you mind please coming up with us too? Thank you, sir. Let's pray together. Amen. Father God, we are so grateful. Yes, we are. Father, for the, the history of us as believers that we heard about today, and the beauty of how you've orchestrated and established your early church. But Lord, for the beauty of us now being able to do the same thing today. Father, it's all done through your Holy Spirit and for your glory because, Lord, you love your church. We've prayed for this for a long time. You've taken us on a, on a journey uh, as New Covenant Church, Lord. And, Lord, to be able to bring structure and, and establishment and, and foundation back into the body, we are so grateful and so excited. And so, Lord, I pray for my brother Jim and I pray for Jeff. Mighty Holy Spirit now, we lay, we lay our hands upon them, not because it's from us, but because, Lord, it's from you. So, Lord, as we've been laid hands upon and the Holy Spirit has instructed us as elders, Lord, we do so likewise. And ask now, Lord, equip them, anoint them, strengthen them, sustain them. May they have discernment and wisdom in how they lead this body, how they speak into things for the people, how they serve this body of Christ for your namesake and for your glory. And, Lord, just like Paul admonishes us in Ephesians to stand, therefore, Lord, I ask and pray for Jeff and for Jim that when things arise and when things happen, as Paul describes the schemes of the devil, I pray that they would stand firm, therefore, knowing their place in you, knowing that this is a calling, knowing that the equipping comes from your mighty Holy Spirit, and knowing that the armor that you establish upon them comes from you. Father God, I pray for their wives. I pray for grace on Sandy and Chrysanthi, Lord Jesus. As they love their husbands well, as they support their families, as as they are one together, Lord, I just pray for grace and peace upon them. That there be a joy in the home. That this wouldn't be a burdensome task, Lord, but it would be life-giving to the entire family. Bless these women. We commend this, this entire family to you and say thank you, Lord, for the example and for the pillar that they are in this congregation. And, Lord, may they bring glory and honor to you in their service. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the testimony of God that's in this place. We also thank you for the testimony of God that is reflected in these men, Lord. And let it be stronger and clearer, Lord, that others can see and hear, Lord, of your greatness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for these men. We thank you that before we ask them, you call them, Lord. 
let them always remember that you have appointed them to this position, Lord. That is not a light thing, that it is something that comes from you, Lord, and you originated this, Lord. And so, Lord, help us as people to honor that decision that you have made. And Lord, realize that this is a ceremony that we are taking the second step because you've taken the, the first and, and the real step, Lord, of calling these men to service in your kingdom in this place. We thank you for these men. We thank you, Lord, for them saying yes. We thank you, Lord, for your testimony in this place. Let it be amplified to your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And Father, with our hands laid upon these men, we identify with them. But more importantly, Lord, we look to you, that your hands are laid upon them. We pray now in Jesus' name for the impartation of divine grace to flow upon Jim and Jeff. That, Lord, they would have supernatural knowledge, revelation, understanding of how, Lord, to best serve your purpose and your cause for the furtherance of this church. So, Lord, we know that these things are not human machinations but rather these are divine impartations of your grace and your divine abilities. So Lord, we quickly confess our need of you, that Lord, we have no good thing in ourselves, but with your spirit, alive and well within us, Lord, we can certainly do the exploits that Stephen spoke of earlier and glorify and serve you in a way that is worthy of your great name. And Father, I thank you that these men are not up here to make a name for themselves, but rather, Lord, their humility is contagious. And we thank you, Lord, for their example to this body. And we thank you, Lord, that you are using them to take us further afield for your purposes. So we give you thanks. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we install you. Deacon. Thank you, Lord. Where you don't have plans, know the Lord has made the plans. Installed, deacon. Or where you don't feel like you have it in you, know he's in you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.